Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today, my guest is photographer Eric Pickerskill. You may not know his name, but unless you've managed to stay away from a screen in recent weeks, you've certainly seen some of his images. His photo essay titled Removed certainly went viral pretty quickly, and I'm sure it hit home with many of you as it did with me. So photographing people with their heads buried in their smartphone is nothing new. Many people have done photo essays about this, uh, mostly to bring awareness of this new social or rather antisocial behavior that's affecting every one of us. Uh, but Eric went a step further by skillfully removing the the culprit, the cell phone, from the hands of his subject. So welcome, Eric. Hi, nice to be here, Valerie. Thank you so much. So I, I seriously, when I saw those pictures, I felt so guilty. <laughs> I have oh, no. to have this guy on the show because it just made me feel bad because I saw myself in those pictures. So first of all, before we go into the, the, the project and how you how you came up with the idea and how you approached it, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a I'm an artist working in North Carolina, and um, I studied uh, photography really since high school. And um, being in a first darkroom class really sparked my my love and passion for the medium. Just seeing a, a silver gelatin print appear in under safe light just hooked me. It was this magical moment. Um, so every decision I've made in my life since then has been related to the pursuit of photography and. So after high school, I, I attended Columbia College Chicago, and that's where I got my bachelor's in fine arts. Um, and was a an intern at the Museum of Contemporary Photography, so I was exposed to a lot of uh, traditional and contemporary uh, masters. And um, after undergraduate studies, I um, I actually kind of took some time off from photography and was a counselor for kids who were on probation uh, between the ages of twelve and seventeen, and and that kind of centered me in thinking about social issues and um, kind of the structure of society and where that puts people. And um, so that actually kind of guided me towards the idea of applying to Teach for America, which is an organization that puts um, college graduates into uh, low-performing um, and often low-income public schools. And so I taught high school for two years. And then uh, after that, I, I was really interested in getting back into photography and, and trying to make social change with my images. And so I, I decided to attend uh, the Masters of Fine Arts program at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, which is actually where this body of work was concluded was okay. uh, during my master's program. And so are you a street photographer? Or I would, would you call I'm, yourself a street photographer? You know, it's, it's been interesting kind of uh, thought process for me after thinking about doing this program. I, I, I think that my work functions in a street photography uh, realm, but okay. it also is, I think, conceptual um, and, and certainly performative as well. So I think it kind of crosses genres yes. all the time. So how, how did the project start? Was it actually part of your master's program? Um, it, it was, uh, and not necessarily how it started, but um, it, it bled into that. So after I finished my first year of studies, I was uh, I, I was lucky enough to be accepted into two different artist residencies in the summer of 2014. Um, and so I, I went to the second residency, which happened in upstate New York in Troy. It's a place called uh, Contemporary Artist Center Woodside. And I was there working on um, actually doing these like enlargements in the darkroom. I made a camera obscura and was enlarging from a monitor, uh, oddly enough. And um, 
I ended up going and working in this coffee shop every morning because I felt kind of secluded and was in this dark church where the, uh, where the residency was, it's this old chapel. And, um, and I was also very homesick, which wasn't normal for me, but I had just gotten married about two weeks before the residency. Oh and, yeah. yeah. And so I was missing my wife a lot. And, um, and so I, I would go out to this cafe in the morning to work. And one morning I was just sitting in the cafe and I saw this family. It was a, a mother and, and, uh, husband and, and then two daughters. And the dad and the two daughters were all just completely sucked into their devices and staring into their hands at breakfast. And uh, and the mom was just looking out the window. And it's one of those moments that was so beautiful because the light was so perfect. Uh-huh. And I, I wanted to make a photograph. And, I, and instead, I just I decided to journal. And, and I wrote this little passage that, that's on my website. Yes. And actually, I would love, you to, uh, love for you to read it. So, But the journaling. So do you carry just a notebook? Or do you I- type? your impressions. I, I, I do a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, for this particular circumstance, I had my sketchbook with me. Okay. And so I, I physically wrote a note. Um, yes. I, it's sometimes just easier that way. And um, yeah, yeah so, so, so that kind of started. And I read that paragraph and I would love you to read it to our, our listeners because uh, that was really the what started this whole adventure. Yeah, it did. Okay. So, so here's what I wrote. Family sitting next to me at Ilium Cafe in Troy, New York, is so disconnected from one another. Not much talking. Father and two daughters have their own phones out. Mom doesn't have one or chooses to leave it put away. She stares out the window, sad and alone, in the company of her closest family. Dad looks up every so often to announce some obscure piece of info he found online. Twice he goes on about a large fish that was caught. No one replies. I'm saddened by the use of technology for interaction in exchange for not interacting. This has never happened before, and I doubt it has scratched the surface of the social impact of this new experience. Mom has her phone out now. Wow. And it is, it's, I mean, I, it's me. It's probably you at times. It's, yes. you know, it's our family. And it has Definitely. become so, so normal that right. it's scary. Yeah, it's it's really been a, a bizarre shift because it happened so quickly and then I found myself in the middle of it to where I, I knew I had previous habits about the way that I would use my phone and then all of a sudden it was totally normal to be checking it and you know, because once everybody else does it, it's common and so we don't really question it. Yeah. And um so did you take their picture? So I didn't, I didn't. And actually that, that's kind of like part one of the two ways that the project started. And and that was really like the awakening moment where this thing happened that shook me into, um, awareness of what was going on. And, and so I left that cafe that morning thinking really, um, almost obsessively about observing people on their phones. And I'd seen a lot of other street photographers who were making this work mm-hmm. um, kind of in a documentary or photojournalistic style about people using their phones. But I, I felt like that wasn't going to necessarily um, kind of cause a change. I had previous bodies of work that I've made where it was like observational. Um, but oftentimes that isn't as impactful to the viewer unless you sort of shift what's normal um, in a way or in a psychological way that makes people think about that that issue differently. So, so- when did you when did the idea come to you to remove the phone on uh, with photoshop i assume um from all those photographs yeah, i mean first of all you didn't have the photographs so you still had to go out and shoot them exactly yeah i still had the impulse to make pictures and um and actually the photographs i'll have to say they're they're not photoshopped out they're actually the the sitters within the photographs are performing and and we can get oh. into that a little bit about okay, how got it. 
Yeah. So, so some of them are, are um, people that I know, and then it moves into a more kind of street style where I'm going out with the view camera and approaching people. Um, but to get back to your question, the real aha moment that happened to me was uh, I had gotten back from that residency and I was so committed to not doing this habit anymore. I was going to alter the way that I was using my device. And so I wanted to be present with the people I was with. And, and, um, and, and that was like, it lasted about a week or two. And I, I got home from the residency and, um, one of the nights I was falling asleep and I was back to my old habits and I was checking my email or something on in bed with my wife and we were laying back to back and, and I fell asleep while using my device and the sound of the phone hitting the floor cause it had fallen out of my hand. Uh, it, it woke me up and, I looked over and before I decided to reach down to pick up my phone, my, my left hand was open and my palm was open as if it was still holding the device. And wow. um, it was like I could still see it there. My body had articulated this like muscle memory that it really was striking. And, and I just had this idea. I was like, I got to see what it looks like to have people perform using their devices. Okay. So I... I thought there was a mix in there, but I thought that some of them, the, the devices had, had been removed. I mean, obviously... That they were not all candid. I mean, you didn't just walk into somebody's bedroom and photograph Correct. them. But, but there, it. I mean, looking at the images, you'd swear that they were actually they actually had a phone in their hand um, uh, at some point. So, uh, mm -hmm. so sorry, I missed that part. But that's, that's even okay. more intriguing <laughs> because um, it's uh, it's it's so well done, and and we'll definitely put the the images of the project on the on on the post and then uh, a link to to the to the site so um so who got involved in this so yeah the the very the, the onset of the project was was just uh working with close family and friends for the first month or two um and i even tried making the very first image digitally and and had photographed my wife in a coffee shop um in a window almost like putting her in the position of that mom um from my original observation mm -hmm. And, and I tried photographing her with the device without it and then like stitching the other hand over top of it. Like, did that matter? And, um, and I, I kind of quickly settled on using black and white film in the view camera for many reasons. But, um, but it, it really was this like, you know, exploration of seeing who I could get involved and who, who would be willing to help out. And, and after a while, um, I, I became less interested in photographing friends because, I realized that the making of these photographs was a way to kind of subvert the way that devices isolate us from other people in the world. And so I could go out in the view camera or with the view camera and walk up to a stranger who I see using their device in the world, you know, or on the street and say, hey, I'm working on this project. I just observed you using your device. Um, I, you know, I, I, are you willing to, to go back to the, my original observation? And then right before I make the exposure, I'm going to slide the device out of your hand and have you perform using it. And, and people were very willing to do it. It was like they had this moment of like, wow, you're right. That, you know, I, I had no idea this man was walking up to me with this giant camera on his shoulder uh, and I didn't even see you coming. And, and um, it, it was like it was actually pretty cool for me because it seemed so impactful to the person who was posing for the photo for them to rethink or question the way that they were using their device in, in public space. Um, and so, so yeah, I would approach them and then, and then make the photograph and, and uh, stay in touch with the people that, that I made the images with. And, and I think that impulse came a lot from the photographers and also the work that I had made in undergrad in Chicago, where I was going out in, with the view camera and doing street photography with people that I met on the street as a way of kind of introducing myself to my community and 
and better understanding kind of what was happening in the in the west side of Chicago where I was living. And um, and so that that was like an exciting way for me to um, to make pictures. It's very thrilling when you have to, you know kind of swallow that fear and, and just approach someone and, mm-hmm. and, and then it becomes so rewarding afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. That's the same approach as doing a street portrait, you know, interacting with people and asking to make a photograph of them. So you, you had that, that same thrill really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but also that anxiety. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at some of the images right now. I just love the one, the guy who is, um, is in a tractor or like a, a forklift with the sod. So obviously this guy, you saw him and you, and you approached him and uh, that's how he was actually on his phone. Exactly. Yeah. He had, kind of a, <laughs> he had like an alternative kind of business operation. I think he would, he would go out in the community and, and centralize himself. And then he had this big truck and he was unloading these pallets of sod to different distributors who would come up. And so he would just forklift a big load onto someone's truck and send them on their way. And, um, I was just driving over to a colleague's house and, um, and saw that he was out there on his forklift, just kind of waiting for his next, mm-hmm. uh, pickup, I guess. And, So we made the picture together. Tell, tell me a little bit about the bride and groom. So the bride and groom, and, that, and that's a, one of my favorite stories to tell of this. Um, they were, uh, I actually photographed their wedding and, and um, I had never photographed a wedding before, but I had the idea that potentially I'd be able to make a removed photograph at their wedding. And um, I had met the two previously um, because I had done a different project where I had offered absolutely free professional photography. That was the tagline on Craigslist. And Really? Um, oh, yeah. tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. And so it, what I did was I just like, it was this impulse to want to get back and do stuff for other people. And it was like one of the first projects I did in graduate school. Um, and actually I've never really made those images public, but um, I, I met the two because they, they had uh, previous marriages and they had children from their previous marriages. And, um, and the two of them would have been recently engaged and it was their first holiday together in, in 2013, I believe. And, um, and they wanted to have this portrait made of their family all together. And so I, I loved their story and, and I was like, I'll absolutely do it. So they all went and bought matching like thermal sweaters. And we went to this pond where the leaves were mm-hmm. changing colors. And, um, and I made this portrait of their family and they loved it and they, and they distributed it amongst their family. And, um, they contacted me a few weeks later and said, you know, we'd love for you to shoot our wedding. And, and by then I had started the removed project. So, um, so I agreed to, to shoot their wedding and, Um, and during the wedding, I saw that the two of them were on their devices, um, not a lot, but there were a couple moments at the head table I saw during the reception and I, I, I couldn't bring myself to interject and make the picture during that moment because it was, it felt like it was their time, you know, I didn't want to make my yeah, project yeah. over their time. So, um, so the whole day went by, I had a great time. I thought I made some great images and then I was leaving because they were, they were cleaning up the venue and I got in my car and, and I was like, getting ready to pull off and actually did. I started to drive away and I was like, you know what, Eric, you didn't wait long enough. Like there, there's still an opportunity to make a picture here. You know, everything's perfect. Everybody's in a good mood. Um, so I drove around the block one more time. And as I did, Jimmy, the, the groom was coming outside of the venue um, and he was having a smoke and he had gotten up against the car. And at that same moment, Michelle was also coming out and she was checking her device. And so it just kind of all fell into place. And so I, um, I told them more about the project. I'd pulled out the view camera cause I'd been shooting digitally previously in the day. And, um, and so we, we set up this, this image where they're, they're leaning against the front of the car while their family is, you know, cleaning out the venue and they're just kind of killing time. And, uh, and it says just married on the, on the right, car in between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. that, that's excellent. I mean, it's so well done, but we've all seen that. 
I mean, I've, I've even commented, you know, um, if you, you know, I've seen uh, some wedding shoots during the, you know, in between the, the ceremony and the dinner and they're out in the, the city and uh, being photographed. And in between shots, they're both on their smartphones. And right, it's yeah. something that we see every day. So, but, but more striking when you remove the device, right. uh, interestingly. Yeah. And I, I want to add too, just because I think this is an important piece to their, to their story and also to the, the complications that the, um, or the complicated issue that we're talking about with the use of device within personal time is that the two of them, not only would I have not met them because of technology through Craigslist, but, um, the two of them met, uh, from what they told me from a, from a dating site, like an, an app. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's like, you know, it's, it's this thing that brings full people circle. together. Yeah. yeah. But it also kind of repels us in space. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, the, yeah. a, another one that's obviously, you know, very, a very powerful image is the woman on her phone and you're in the backseat of the car. Yes. Yeah. And and that one's probably one of the most staged of, of all of the images. Sure. Um, well, yeah, because so, there's a car coming right at her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so that's, that's my mother-in-law, Phyllis, who's in the front seat of her, her husband's SUV. And, and so I got in the back with the view camera and then I have my wife who's in my car driving towards this car, making it look like we were in the crossing the center lane. And, um, and, and that one was one where I felt like I needed to kind of not cover all the bases, but at least explore the different avenues that people would have reaction to the issue, because there are a lot of issues going on with the use of devices mm-hmm. while people are driving and, and causing, you know, other people harm. Um, and so, I mean, I guess I could say that one did drive from an observation because I've seen other oh, people yes. texting and driving, but, um, but that particular moment was one that I, I constructed. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that's quite powerful and uh, and uh, a wake up call because again, that's something we see every day. I don't, I really don't think there's been a more dangerous time to be on the road. <laughs> it's potentially right. Yeah, maybe that or before they passed the uh, drinking and driving laws. But well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm wondering about that because I'm pretty sure there are more distracted drivers because of their phones than there are drunk drivers at any time. You know, even when you know they the the drinking and driving law wasn't enforced because um, those were still hopefully, you know, far and few between, uh, you know, how do you say that in English? Far and few? Few and far between. Far and, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Few and <laughs> far between. One of those English expressions that still yes. escape me. But, uh, but people on their phone, it's, it, if you don't have to drive more than 10 miles to see at least a dozen people distracted yeah, on their phone. So I think the problem is is much worse in a way. And um scares me. My youngest son is about to start driving and I honestly I'm not worried about him being on his phone, but I'm sure I sure I'm worried about other people around him and uh, it's a scary scary time. Um so that 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 photograph is to me really hits home because that's one of my fear. You know, I I see too many too much of that. And um I also love the couple, uh, the the older couple in their living room. That's mm-hmm. just excellent. And uh, yeah, yeah I mean, there's parents. oh, are they <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they were that was one of the early ones I made. They were uh, they were subject to my my scrutiny early, but that's their morning ritual is to to get on their iPads and yeah um, and check on their business. They work from home, so yeah, it's yeah. just uh, again when I saw the pictures, I felt bad. And seriously, for a, f- a few days. I don't think I lasted a week. 
and I emailed you. I said, "Oh my gosh, you you made me so feel so bad about my bad habits uh, that I'm going to make changes." But、mm. it's hard. It's really hard to do. It、We're、really is difficult, and that, and that's kind of where I'm I'm starting to learn.、Um, the more that I've been in conversation about the work of that that it is an addiction in nature. I think.、Um, yes. And and I've you know and we can talk about the the viral nature of the project and almost kind of the、um, the irony of that. But, yes.、Um, but dealing with this new、uh, change in my life and having to engage in this conversation more,、um, but also the the very positive.、Um, You know,、uh, affirmation I've gotten as a photographer. You know, I'm I'm very busy right now doing this full time, and so my phone is constantly, you know, buzzing with these triggers of positivity. It's like, oh, the BBC wants to talk to you, or you know, you get to be on on、uh, on, on Valerie's show, and so you know, it's like I, I'm getting more and more rewarded for engaging in my device, and I feel the addiction kind of growing, and it's it's、um, it's a really Kind of ironic situation to be in, just personally. But I do think that the work is having a positive impact with other people, and and so、um, not that I'm a martyr by any means, but the fact that you know I'm, I'm excited that the work is is creating positive dialogue and and allowing people to to see themselves in the pictures and then question what it is that their habits are. Yes, and、uh, so did you expect the project to to go viral? I mean, to that extent, how, how did that all happen? Yeah, and I, how I quickly. I couldn't have imagined this in my wildest dreams. I mean, the the project has been online, you know, or you could say in public、uh, on my website since probably January or February of 2015, and、uh, it just sat there. You know, I did have a, a a solo exhibition or two solo exhibitions of the work in North Carolina、um, with pretty great local kind of feedback, but nothing to the nature of what's happened this past month. And、um, and really, the way that it happened was that、uh, while I was in Uh, graduate studies. I, I became friends with a guy named Andrew Stern, who was a journalism uh, master's uh, student at UNC, and we both took an elective documentary filmmaking class together. And so he watched me make this short film about Removed, and and kind of helped me create it. And then we we kind of didn't touch base all summer. And he took a job at Business Insider in New York as a writer and、um, as a writer and doing filmmaking for them. And and he I guess pitched the idea of my project to the producer, and the producer said, "Yeah, put up a gallery of the work, and、um, and we'll see, you know, what'll happen." And so Andrew asked me if I was interested. He said, "You know, let's do an interview style. I'll actually approach this as a journalist and, and ask you good questions, and then we'll do a write up." And so we we put it online. The story published on October seventh, I believe,、um, or October eighth, and. Um, you know, the first day or two, it got like two or three thousand unique viewers, and the traffic on my website really increased. And then、um, over that first weekend,、uh, a couple、um, sites like、um, Collective Evolution, I think Board Panda,、um, just、uh, just reposted the material. And then you know, it was like overnight into like Saturday into Sunday morning that weekend,、um, I was getting emails from CNN and.、Um, You know, Vanity Fair and and Wired and Vice and I mean, just on and on. You know, just this endless stream and 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 so then you know, I quickly realized that oh no, this not oh no, but the, this is the moment where th- this is going to go viral. It's happening, and、um, so I had to kind of put my life on hold and、um, and then I started asking for help very quickly. I was like, who are the people within the arts industry and the media industry that know how to handle this and.、Um, And so I got some advice to build a standalone website for the project, and、um, and then 
I tried to do all of the kind of media blitz uh, by myself for the first like three or four days. I had contacted an agent um, early on. Uh, it was recommended to Julie Graham. And we decided, you know, right off the bat that we, we weren't sure how big it was going to grow and, you know, if like we could even negotiate, you know, making um, it financially worth her to come onto the team. And then after like three days later, you know, I'm trying to send invoices for usage fees to, you know, editorial use and trying to do interviews and saying the wrong things because I wasn't sleeping and it just was this like total mess. And I broke down and I called Julie and I was like, please help me. Um, and, and so Julie Graham has, has jumped on board and has been taking care of all the media requests and, um, and it's been it's been such a much more enjoyable experience now um, to have her handle that, and I get to engage in the conversation and the work and start thinking about making new pieces. So it's it's been really life changing. Wow! Yes, I can imagine. Um, and uh, it's kind of a Brandon Stanton story. <laughs> humans of New York, but uh, humans with their without their devices. <laughs> It's quite quite a quite a story. So now, so is the project is not done. Well, it's you know I I told myself that I was done making these images, and I, I had moved on to making new work this whole year. Um, and I'd been making these pieces, these almost sculptural piece, pieces using 35 millimeter slide holders and mm -hmm. actually removing the, the slide from the holder and then arranging just the holders in these kind of grids and aestheticizing them as as these objects that represent photography. Um, But now that the conversation has grown, um, I, I do think that I, I'm interested in making some new removed images. And uh, I actually did make um, one new one. I, I was asked to go to New York City uh, two weeks ago and do an interview with Globo TV, which is a Brazilian uh, news station. And they asked if I would bring my view camera and they had a crew follow me and, and walk down the street. And, and I made a removed photograph of a guy who was waiting for the bus. And... Um, And then I also made a really cheesy one of the news anchor and like the cameraman's behind him and we're on the sidewalk in New York. And I don't think those are going to make it necessarily into the series, but um, I do think uh, that I'm, I'm considering putting a book together of the work. Mm -hmm. And since all of the images have been released online, I'd love for there to be some new content that would make people seek the book a little bit more. And um, so I, I am considering making some new ones uh, moving forward. Wow, that's that's excellent. So what um, two things? What tip would you give someone who wants to start a photo essay? Uh, I mean, you and, and looking through your website, this is not your first one. You've done a wonderful photo essay um, in your own home with your dad, which I, I found really lovely. Uh, so you can do that anywhere. But if you want to explore something different or uh, more remote how do you find the ideas yeah i think i mean i guess my advice would be uh don't overthink the concept too much at first i think the hardest part about starting a series is just starting it like making a picture you know and sometimes the the unknowing can be so crippling you know to take that first risk to make an exposure um so starting is definitely what i would say um and then also just look to your own life for inspiration i think every project i've you know, really engaged in for any substantial amount of time came from either me just questioning the world around me, like, what are the things that are right in front of me that I don't quite understand? Or, you know, what are certain ideas that I have that are floating around in my mind that I want to figure out a way to make visual? And um, when you start looking for something throughout the day and it becomes, you know, the thing that you're thinking about all the time, then the pictures start to appear. And, um, and don't, don't think that your life is so common that you shouldn't explore it. I think people are um, kind of jaded by their own, you know, 
the the still life that exists in your own kitchen that's waiting for you to photograph it but you just kind of don't don't stop to make that picture so yeah that's true i mean there is beauty in the ordinary absolutely yeah and to your your ordinary is certainly not someone else's and i think that's a, mm-hmm. there's a power to that for sure yeah it's just like people feel like oh where i live is boring i want to travel but your boring is somebody's vacation destination exactly exactly <laughs> for sure and so and and if someone out there is starting a project like you uh, is doing a project like you do and and his project or her project becomes viral what's the number one tip oh yeah that's i've been asked that a lot lately actually most people have been like how do you go viral and i'm like i have no idea <laughs> i didn't plan it <laughs> yeah make the right work i guess i don't know but yeah. um Yeah, I, I think ask for help and uh, be organized. Um, and and journalists are your friends. I feel like that's one thing that I've really embraced is um, really taking the time and being patient and consistent with the people who are interested in talking about the work and um, and thank them because they're they're you know journalists are, are writers and they're artists as well. And so every time that I would do an interview with someone, um, I would ask them for suggestions. You know, I'd be like am I sucking at this? Like, what would you think I should do differently? And, uh, and, and they've given me really great, you know, helpful tips. Even if like once one person, when I was in the thick of it, I said, you know, uh, I think he was a journalist from California. And I said, you know, do you have any tips for me? And he was like, hold on tight, stay focused and don't drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I, 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 I really tried to follow that through and it, it's worked out well. So. Wow. Wow. That's, that's great. So, uh, so a book for sure coming up, uh, in the next few months, hopefully I, I can't wait to see that and maybe we'll have you on the show again. And- yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And the other piece that's happened, uh, consequently through all of this is that I've, I've, um, I've been in contact with, or I just actually became represented by Rick Wester Fine Art, which okay. is a gallery in Chelsea in New York city. And, um, so I'm printing up the whole series right now because he's going to be bringing the work down to the Pulse International Art Fair down in Miami the first week of December. Um, so I'm very thrilled about that. That's going to be a huge step for my career. Excellent. Yes. A huge step for sure. Wow. Yes. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm excited for you. And, uh, this is just, uh, it's like a dream that just it's... thinks something that happened overnight. Yeah. I'm worried I'm going to wake up tomorrow and all of this was make believe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it that's the thing. You don't know when it's going to end. So enjoy it. It's while so it lasts. true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing. We're bombarded with so much new stuff every day that uh, you never know how long that, you know, your moment of fame is going to last. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it, you know, it, it does keep kind of popping up. Luckily, this is a project that knows, it really knows no borders as far as like geography or, or culture. So, mm-hmm. um, so like when it started to fizzle in the U.S., then, then, you know, Europe and Germany started getting, you know, much more active. And so it's been this kind of constant wave. It's certainly d- diminished in, in, uh, in the numbers on the metrics, but it's, um, it's, it's still, still percolating, which I'm happy about. So it's been what a month now, right? Right. Yeah, about a, almost exactly a month. Yeah, maybe just wow. over a month. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't I'm sure that this past month has just been uh, like a whirlwind for you. It's been a total blur. Yeah, and yeah. I and I have to say, my wife has been such an incredible support. She's uh, she's in medical school, and so generally my daytime. Uh, job. I mean, I had, a, I had another job at a gallery, but, um, you know, I was taking care of her and, and I've really been slacking on my, my homemaker duties this past month. So I got to get back to like cooking and cleaning soon. <laughs> Keep her happy. Well, I'm she's sure been so the, patient with me. The book will be dedicated to her, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And actually the, the, the couple that's in bed, that portrait, um, that's actually a self portrait of my wife and I. Oh, it uh, is. Oh, 
Saddle oh. Angie in me. So that one has kind of become the placeholder, the iconic image from the series, which I'm actually happy that my image is in the series because I don't want to think that I don't want the world to think I'm pointing this finger at them, but that I'm also implicated yeah. in this. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a Hitchcock moment. Here. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Eric, this has been so much fun. I, uh, I again, I, I just love hearing so- stories like that. And, uh, and, uh, and you took a project that so many people had delved into and uh, and you did it with a twist and i think that's awesome um again congratulations thank you so much valerie and i I really feel privileged to speak with you and and your audience i love the blog that you're putting together and and the wonderful work that you're bringing out into the world is is so thrilling so thanks for promoting photography the way that you are it's it's a great thing (laughs) thank you and i'm I'm glad i caught you before you know, I didn't even have to go through your agent. So no, was, you didn't. You were awesome. early. You were you were like breaking news. You scheduled <laughs> it right on. So. That's right. So now, where can people see more of your work? So now you have a a, a website just for removed. So Correct. that should yeah. be so easy enough. So if you enough. go to www.removed.social and and dot social is like the new dot com. So okay. it's a it, it does work. <laughs> Good. And uh, and then uh, more of your work. Everything is linked there, anyways, right? Yeah, and that also links back to my ericpickersgill.com website, which has a lot of my previous work and like the photo essay of my father that you mentioned Yes, um, is all on there. Yeah, and I think those are, would serve as great inspiration because there are storytelling opportunities everywhere. And uh, and since my audience is mostly, you know, they're street photographers, that's what they do. They capture stories in a frame. Absolutely. And uh, working on a, on a project, you know, whether it's a week-long or a five-year-long project, it doesn't matter. But there are stories to be told everywhere, and uh, and it's so exciting when you work on a series or or work on a more of a documentary like this. So yeah, it's so true, and it's helpful to have that kind of you know thing to look for each day and keep you moving and keep you mm-hmm. hitting the shutter. It, it's a uh, it's a way to organize your time that I think can have very productive results for sure. Well, thanks again, Eric, and I'll catch up with you when the book is published. Sounds great. You take care, Valerie. Thank you. And we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Please head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show. And don't forget to um, check us out on iTunes and leave a rating. And even better, if you have a moment, leave a comment. And then please share the link on social media and spread the love. My name is Valerie Jardin, and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets. Hit the streets.